Hey, welcome to this edition of Appalachian Shine, the official podcast of the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. I'm J.C. Swingruber, the president of the organization, and today, overlook the background noise, we're in Roma's in Wise, Virginia, this little restaurant that kept me alive here in my college years, back when this place was actually called uh, Clinch Valley College. And uh, you guys know it now as UVA Wise. So I'm here today with a couple of guests. And, um, you know, again, overlook some of the background noise. We're doing the best we can here. And we're going to just hand the mic around as we all talk. So we're here with a couple of guests. I'm going to hand the mic around and let everybody introduce themselves. And then we'll kind of go into a little bit of a discussion on the Southwest Virginia and Appalachian economy. And we're also going to talk about some really cool uh, legends and mysteries in Eastern Kentucky. So let's pass this mic around. Yeah, Gary Stratton. I was at UVA Wise, University of Virginia's College of Wise, many years. Now I'm at uh, Kentucky State University, back uh, my home in Central Kentucky. Uh, but I, of course, teach economics and finance there. But part of the the foundation here for Appalachian Advancement, and want to do some great things here. I'm also working with uh, economic education, and and in Frankfurt, we are working on a makerspace that I want to bring to Appalachia, a makerspace business incubator that's from the ground up, uh, called the Franklin Center of Innovation. So look it up. Thank you. Howdy everybody, my name is Adam Mason and I am the founder of KentuckyMysteries.com website. Put together a place where everybody can go to learn about the different mysteries of the history of Eastern Kentucky, Central Kentucky, all of Kentucky. Folks go there, you can read about things you have never heard of. We go back as far as we can in history. We've even got some reports going back to the early 1700s and working on getting some reports from the Native Americans that lived here in Kentucky. So visit our website weekly because we try to make updates as often as possible and get ready for a magazine that will be coming out soon, hopefully. All right, thanks, you guys. Um, just to let people know, uh, Gary is the uh, vice president. Dr. Stratton's vice president of the organization here at the FAA. Adam, you were one of the original uh, board members, and uh, Adam uh, actually had to move out of the out of the region for quite some time. So uh, he had left our board to work outside of the area. Recently got back, and you're working over in Eastern Kentucky now. Um, wanted to remind everybody we recently sent out our most recent newsletter that we send out via email. So if you haven't signed up for that, go to supportappalachia.org, go to the contact tab, and you'll be able to sign up for that uh, free newsletter right there. Um, one of the, while i got Dr. Stratton here, uh, you're an economist and have been teaching for you know, many years, um, wanted to bring up the most recent uh, report that came out of the Appalachian Regional Commission where they actually rank all the counties uh, by uh, economic status. And um, in the most recent report that came out that you could find on the ARC's website, they had only 13 counties in Appalachia out of 420, so we have 420 counties in the entire region, only 13 of them in Appalachia achieved a standing of competitive or attainment according to the ARC standards, and uh, of the 80 counties that are labeled as distressed, uh, almost all of them are cobbled together in central Appalachia, most of them being in eastern Kentucky. Um, a few in southern West Virginia, and a handful of counties in southwest Virginia where we're at right now. Um, distressed counties, just if, if you don't know, um, those are considered to be the most economically depressed counties in the country, falling in the bottom 10% of all counties in the entire nation. So that's, that's a pretty... 
pretty rough statistic when you look at what's going on in, you know, we're for both of you in Kentucky now. Um, we have a handful of counties, like I said, here in southwestern Virginia, but over in eastern Kentucky, that map looks looks pretty dire. Um, yeah, Gary, just uh, your thoughts on what's going on with the economies of eastern Kentucky and, and uh, based on what the ARC is reporting. Yeah, there's a, just a few bright spots there, of course, Pikeville and a few other places. But you're right, most of it is is, is pretty dire. Uh, I think it's cultural related. We've got to change the culture of the folks to more of the education, you know, be innovative, be more entrepreneurial, and that is happening slowly. Uh, but again. Uh, a lot of people, of course, move out of the region. Uh, they moved. Uh, I'm in Central Kentucky myself. We have a lot of people. Some of my neighbors there are from Harlan County, so you know they gravitate other places. So what you're left with is actually very few people. That a lot of the, you know, the population is getting older. It's, it's, it's elderly now is the maybe the majority. I don't really know, but it's 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 becoming. Uh, that's one of the issues too. That you know if you have if you want jobs there, there's not as many. Uh, able-bodied working adults, really, to take those jobs. So, again, we're going to have to turn that around and get people moving back to the region. That, uh, again, they've moved away actually generationally. Uh, so we got to get, you know, maybe that that's one way, to, one thing to look at. But to do that, we've got to change the attitude, I think, of the folks in the region. So, Adam, you've been over in Lutcher County. Isn't that kind of one of the issues you've seen ever since you were young? Uh, yes, we do have a large majority of the population do move just as soon as they get out of high school. They go off to college because there's actually no colleges here that you can get a four-year degree at close. And they go off to find jobs to find to make money because here the annual yearly income is very low. So if you want an opportunity to actually have a family and to make better yourself and your kids, that is about the only option. I mean, I've actually had to do that myself. I left for quite some time. I got a lot of experience in training, and then I come back. And I'm trying to hear some different entrepreneurial areas, like the KentuckyMysteries.com website. And I'm actually thinking about going into some digital security areas. Well, a small startup like that also. But um, with the demise of the coal mines and all the money that were coming in from that... Right now, our major income is very low for everyone. Yeah, that's a that's a problem all throughout Appalachia. Gary, you mentioned the brain drain. Um, just you know, people may not know this about me, but uh, I had you know most of my life growing up over in Tazewell County, Virginia. Yeah, it was just always kind of a saying that it's just almost kind of built into the conversation that if you ever wanted to succeed in life, you kind of had to get out of this area. And, you know, growing up over there, that was so prevalent that now when I look back at the number of people I graduated high school with, just the number of people that moved out of the area and never came back is kind of staggering because, you know, you lose that resource, that brain drain. People go away and learn skills that they may not learn here in central Appalachia as far as, um, you know, business or, you know, trade skills that's outside of the mining industry, but they never come back. And uh, that's a generation lost to our region and, and future economic growth and, and uh, demographic growth that we, we're just not going to have. And I actually, I moved out of Appalachia when I was younger, too. I went to Cincinnati, and I worked there for a number of years. And it wasn't until years later running into Dr. Stratton again, who was one of, one of my first professors at UVA-wise, or Clinch Valley College at the time, that I decided to come back and actually bring the skills that I learned through working in finance and brokerage and uh, investment advising to come back to a region and 
um, you know, offer offer up those skills that that you know where I had an advantage where I learned under bigger companies and not smaller you know companies in the region. So that even impacted me before I came back. And you know, the mission and goal of the organization is to not just look and focus on the the bad aspects of what happens in Appalachia, but our goal is to shine a light on the positive things. Like you mentioned, Gary, the um, just driving around through these counties, you, you, you can look at hardships or you can look and see opportunity where, where it doesn't exist. That's a mindset that, you know, that we hope to have a piece in changing, but that's up to each and every person listening to this. Um, what, funny story, I'll just kind of back up to this funny story. When I first started, when we first started this organization, and I first started going out talking to people about it locally in uh, my home county. I went to a, a small business, and I thought about them today as I drove past where they were. I went to a small business in Claypool Hill, and uh, these people made amazing uh, products by hand, all woodworking and you know, things like that. And they had uh, really high-end stuff, really nice stuff. And when I went in to talk a little bit about what our organization is and what it does, uh, the lady that was one of the owners was very down on the region. Um, well, why are you bothering? No one around here is, you know, going to succeed. No one comes in to buy. No one does this. No one does that. You know, it, it was almost such a defeatist attitude that uh, it was almost heart-wrenching thinking, who am I going to go talk to next? I mean, that's talking about a conversation that brings you down for the day, right? But, you know, you go in and, you know, you talk to people about what you want to do and what the goals are for the region. And I noticed as I was driving today, that business, they, they're not there anymore, obviously. Um and you know, I kind of thought that how sad because they were so good at what they did. And I wonder if they'd had, you know, and maybe not, but, a, you know, more positive attitude and look for more opportunity instead of sitting there waiting for it to come to them where they'd be today, you know. And that's kind of what, you know, part of our, our goal is, is, you know, as an organization to kind of change that mentality or, or play a part. You know, that's up to each and every person that listens what they want to do. But, um you know, hope hopefully they're doing well. Maybe find another niche somewhere. But, but you know, we need to harness the best of who we are. Whether it's, you know, what we do with our hands or what we do with our minds and brains, and and uh, put forward the best foot in Appalachia with with opportunity and optimism, and not uh, not that defeatist attitude. And it's kind of hard to have that when every Hollywood movie you see that has anything to do with Appalachia just rains down on the culture and you know just so hypocritical of. You know, um, you know, just, it just kind of beats down on people, and it's it's kind of a sad thing to see. You know, we actually talked about that with some members of the Authors Guild on our last podcast about the whole hillbilly elegy and um, you know, kind of putting the region down and, and kind of defaming who we are as a culture of people in history. So, you know, we need to embrace that bright spot and those opportunities that are not there, and look for opportunities because no one's going to create them but ourselves. And a, a kind of a case in point on the same report from the ARC, Gary was. Uh, I went back and looked up that same map from 2015, and it looked almost identical. And it makes me wonder how much money they pour into organizations to kind of to build, you know, economic growth and development. But if you go back to 2015, only 12 counties had achieved attainment or considered competitive, and we're looking at four years, five years ago. Um, so that's, that's kind of a kind of a tough pill to swallow, and kind of shows you the uphill battle a lot of economies around here have. What are your thoughts on that, Gary? Yeah, and then several billion dollars later, too. So where's that money gone to, and what's the, the return on that money? Well, it's not very good. So, you know, that's where it gets back to the local community. You know, you got to build these 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 options from the ground up, not from the 
D.C. down or from Frankfurt down. It's got to start at the ground. You know, that's where the, the government, you know, I want to see government involved as, a, as you know, they have skin in the game. It should be a partner in this. But, again, it's got to start in the community where they have, you know, we're, we're doing, working on a makerspace now in Frankfurt, and uh, it's coming from the community. We're not getting any government dollars right now. We may get them later, but there'll be a little part. There'll be a small part of it in the future. We're starting with community folks. And so that's what's got to happen in, in Pikeville, Hazard, uh, Weisberg, uh, all the other areas that need a makerspace, incubator. And, again, that changes the culture. you got to empower people to help themselves. And actually, don't be afraid of risk, you know. Part of success is failure, uh, you know. Um, one of our, I guess, favorite sons here in central Appalachia is Napoleon Hill. And anybody that's read Think and Grow Rich, he's actually one of the forefathers of the entire uh, movement of self-help and motivation, right? So Tony Robbins and those guys that you see today that are out there making a living doing self-help seminars, well, guess who started it? It was somebody right here in central Appalachia who had the foresight to, uh, to believe and to try. And he failed over and over felt over and over. But the one thing I like to think about is, you know, when you talk about the ARC and government solutions, um, we don't need, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, we don't need solutions for Appalachia. What we need are Appalachian solutions. And things that are solutions right here, homegrown, homebred. Yeah, Adam, chime in on this. One area that has always fascinated me, and I've been doing a lot of research actually for the last year and a half. Growing up, Everyone had a small garden to feed their families because they we had large families here. So I was doing some research, and while vegetable gardening in the mountain area would not really produce a viable income, there is one thing that will produce an income of fifty to sixty thousand a year per acre for the farmers, and that's flowers, wedding flowers, flowers you sell to businesses. Certain types of flowers you can actually grow very well in this area. We're in zone six here, six B to be specific, where I live over in Kentucky, near the Virginia and Tennessee borders. That actually can be a very profitable enterprise if we could actually get people to go back outside and farming. A lot of people are looking at technology, and I'm one of them. I'm a tech geek, I'm a software developer, it's my job. But I learned to look outside the area of technology. And farming, if we could get people back to farming in this area, even a small garden tiller and an investment of five to six hundred dollars could reap eight to fifteen thousand dollars a year for the first year. Yeah, again, another opportunity that you know, people can look at. Um, yeah, a couple of things. We'll get into Kentucky mysteries here in just a second. But um, again, I want to remind folks if you haven't had a chance to check out our latest newsletter. Um, go to our website and sign up for it under the Contact Us tab. And I have the links to that uh, Appalachian Regional Commission report in there. Uh, also in this, this particular newsletter, we did a, we want to go forward every newsletter uh, from now on and do what's called a county spotlight and look at one particular county in Appalachia and some of the things that there are to do there. So this month, this, this particular newsletter, we focus on Dickinson County, Virginia, and uh, you'll find the Brake Center State Park there. If you've never been, definitely go. That should be on your stop, I didn't get there until much later in life, and I no, you know, and I was very close to it. But um, of course, the Ralph Stanley Museum for anybody that's a bluegrass fan. One of the things coming up here in the next uh, uh, couple of months, if you're an artist or if you're a writer or want to be a writer, the Appalachian Authors Guild is actually going to host a one-day writers retreat. It's called Spring Fling, 
And if you go to the Appalachian Authors website, it's AppalachianAuthors.com. You can actually sign up for that. Um, the membership uh, to be a member of the Guild is only $25 a year. And you get all kinds of seminars you can go to, workshops to kind of help you become a writer. So even if you've never written anything and just want to learn, it's a good opportunity to make some new friends, learn new, a few new things. And uh, um, the Spring Fling is actually Saturday, May 16th from 9 to 4. And it will be in Abingdon at the Small Business Incubator. So if you want to sign up for that, uh, definitely go to their website. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into uh, Kentucky Mysteries. Do you have anything else to add on the economics here? Or? Okay, we, we can get into this more and more. Uh, future episodes of Appalachian Shine, we're actually going to be talking to, hopefully we'll hear back from some of the people in tourism in the region that we've reached out and contacted, uh, haven't heard back from yet. But uh, we've, reached, we've also made contact with several uh, local officials in the area that we're going to be talking to about specific towns and counties and what they're doing to develop their economies and, and uh, promote their history, culture, and so forth. So we're going to learn a few things. We're going to have some fun with the with the podcast, and we hope you'll tune into all those. But one of the funnest things that we can talk about is like all these mysteries and legends that surround Appalachia. Everybody knows about the Bigfoot mystery, the Wood Booger, as it's called down here in Wise County. Um, they actually have a restaurant down in Norton named after the Wood Booger, right? So, um, Adam, tell us a little bit about what the Kentucky Mysteries website is and what kind of mysteries you're actually uh, highlighting on there. I wanted to make a place where you could find every type of mystery that occurs in Kentucky. It didn't matter if it was a Bigfoot ghost paranormal, if it was a haunted cemetery, if it was the meat falling from the sky, and that actually did happen back in the uh, late 1800s. Meat falling from the sky. Meat falling from the sky. That's actually recorded. The FBI investigated it and everything. That was actually it really happened. Uh, there is the Rainbow Valley where once a year the air actually does turn into different colors. So we're going to make an air where everyone feels welcome to submit their history, their legends. I don't care if it goes back 500 years or if it happened five minutes ago. We want to know about it and we're trying to cover that area. We've actually got some really interesting legends that were handed down from some from the Native Americans. Some were actually discovered by the original settlers. Back in the late 1700s there was the little people. Some of the first settlers in Kentucky actually run into them. They were small people, about a foot tall. The Indians had actually had their oral history of showing they were doing business with these people. They're actually an entire community of little people. I mean, we've got some of the most fascinating legends you can find. Now, we've got scary things, too, like the Cemetery from Hell in western Kentucky, where people actually do disappear and are never seen again. The police have been investigating this since back in the 40s and 50s, but those people never resurfaced. They actually completely disappeared off the face of this earth in that cemetery. So we try to cover every area that we can get into. Instead of just having like one website for each one, we've got one for everything. We also have a section in, on the website for UFOs. A section for aliens, a section for the shadow people and the black-eyed people. We're working on getting one for Mothman. We don't have a lot of reports on that one yet. But we're actually working on getting one for that also. We've got a paranormal section. We've got several people that have been investigating for many years, some decades, and we're, they're putting together lessons where people can learn how to actually conduct their own investigation into certain areas. Some are for paranormal. Uh, some are actually for the uh, Bigfoot. Some are for the UFO investigations. So we're actually going to have self-help classes you can learn online from our website. 
So it's um, we're trying to cover everything, and everybody's welcome. It's free. You can submit your information if you want to remain anonymous. That's fine. We don't mind that. We will not publish anyone's name unless they specifically ask. So we want to make this a welcome place where everybody can visit and enjoy and, and have some fun and learn about the history of Kentucky, not just what's in the books. Sounds like a fun fun website. I've been there. Actually, I've visited a few times. It's very well laid out. You know, one of my favorite mysteries in Appalachia is uh, St. Albans uh, out of Radford. It's supposedly a haunted sanitarium. That that building itself has such a long history that it that the history itself is about as frightening as the the ghost stories that you hear coming out of that place. Um, there's the uh, Graham Mansion in Max Meadows, which is right through Withville. Right, that's a haunted mansion. That uh, actually, remember the Ghost Hunters show? Yeah. yeah, they've actually been there and investigated. I've seen that on TV, and also at Radford at the at the um, sanitarium there, St. Albans. Is it sanitarium or sanatorium? I don't know. Ever since I heard that, ever since I heard that Metallica song as a kid, I get confused. I don't know. So, but uh, actually, one location I want to visit is um, Point Pleasant, uh, where the where the actual original mystery of the Mothman was. So if I go there, I'll actually go and record a podcast. And if I sound terrified, I probably really am. We can get and speaking of little people, we actually have a little person as one of our board members, Melinda Ellswick. She's one of our original founders. Now people will say, "Oh, that's so mean," but she's actually my sister. <laughs> so I could, I could pay, I could poke fun at her if I want. But she's she's kind of short. But uh, we love her. She's. Uh, She's again, very passionate about uh, what she does here in Appalachia, too, and working with the with the kids in schools. So, um, But anyway, we'll go ahead and wrap this episode up. So th- uh, thanks uh, for those of you that tuned in to listen to Appalachian Shine. Feel free to visit us on the web at supportappalachia.org and also on Facebook. Uh, I think it's facebook.com forward slash support Appalachia, I think is what we, but you can do a search for Foundation for Appalachian Advancement, you'll find us there. So um, we generally, whatever we do on the podcast, we'll post a link for the podcast on there, so if you, you, you can get it on your iPhone, or you can get it on podbeam.com. Uh, we also do want to encourage you to, um, you know, help us pay pay our good fortunes forward. We're also fortunate here in Central Appalachia, and that we always kind of want to reach out and have a passion for our, our home. And make this place a better place. So uh, we do encourage you and invite you to make a donation to us. We're a 501c3 organization, so all your donations are deductible. None of us collect salaries. We're all just volunteers. So whatever whatever you donate, we use to uh, um, kind of pay it forward in those respects, too, with whatever program we're offering at the time. Um, last year, we were able to actually do a, a, a festival, our first ever function, where we actually had artists come in to be able to set up and promote their work for free. That never happens. <laughs> like, you know, most because anytime you go anywhere, you have to pay vendor fees, and you never know how much you're going to sell. So we took an opportunity to work with some local businesses in Russell County to in Virginia to have a, a, a festival last year to promote our arts and culture. And we had uh, probably over 30 artists that showed up that were able to promote their work, authors, crafts makers, storytellers, musicians. So we even had a little live music there last year at the event. So it was really good. And... Um, and we had several local businesses there that were willing to su- that donated to support it. So, you know, help us pay it forward. It's uh, so again supportappalachia.org. You can click on donate there. We go through PayPal, so you can you can use that there. Or if you want to just uh, do it old fashioned, mail us a check. Uh, it's PO Box three nine seven 
Richlands, Virginia, 24641. And we appreciate everything you guys do for us. Um, even if you can't do a donation, share the word of what we're trying to do and uh, share the podcast with friends and family. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Appalachian Shine.